All right, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. You want to tune in if you own a business, you're an entrepreneur, you're looking at getting into business, or anything that really requires PR, marketing, things like that. You definitely want to tune in to pay attention today. Got a great guest. Before we get him on, let's uh, let's get going here. Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. All right, so welcome Justin Charpentier, a uh, guy I've known for, gosh, I think I think we've been in the Warrior Council, the Entrepreneur Tribe now for like two years together, something like that. Yeah. And we've connected a few times. So welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast. I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you are a knowledge expert when it comes to marketing and PR and SEO websites, and we're going to get all, dive into all that stuff. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your story. What did you do in the military? You know, why'd you join? Those kind of things. Yeah, right. So how much time do we have? Yeah, <laughs> that's a little, yeah. however much time you need. <laughs> yeah. I, so you know what, man? I grew up in, in the 80s and uh, early 90s, and G.I. Joe was a thing back then. So I fell in love with the idea of becoming a soldier someday. And uh, somewhere along the way in high school, I decided I was going to go to college instead. And uh, I did. I went to college. Um, I didn't do that well. You know, I was very lived a very sheltered small town life, and um, I got introduced to a lot of things in college, um, partying being one of them. So I needed some discipline. The army seemed like the logical choice, you know. So it was you could get a healthy dose of discipline there. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. So I joined. Uh, I joined the army. I took the ASVAB, and they were, you know, the recruiter was like, "You can do whatever you want," and I said, "I want to be special forces." I'm sure they hear that all the time. I'm sure they hear it all the time. I, you know, I got to get back. a recruiter on here to find that out, actually. That's a good one. So funny. But they were like, well, you you can do that, but it's not like a choice that you make. You have to be infantry first. You know, I was like, sign me up. You know, I was 19. So I, I went in the infantry. Um, I loved it. I, I didn't really lose the partying all that much, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh. I may have gained some partying um, there in the army. But... <laughs> not surprised by that. But you gained discipline too, right? Gained a lot of discipline. Yep. yep. You became a disciplined partier. <laughs> yeah. I, it was like a switch. You could turn it on and off. There you go. A different kind of discipline though, you know? So it's one of those skills nobody talks about that we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is definitely a skill, you know? Party <laughs> all night and still train hard, you know? But uh, yeah. And um, so I joined, I signed up on uh, New Year's Eve of... 97 going into 98 and then it was like delayed entry so i shipped out three months later um you know basic at fort benning and um, i did some hometown recruiting and then um you know wasn't very exciting to be honest with you um i wasn't much of a garrison soldier i was really good in the field but i was always in trouble in the garrison my boots weren't polished my uniforms weren't pressed i wasn't that kind of soldier and then um September 11th happened a few years later, you know, and uh, everything kind of changed. So um, I was actually in a National Guard unit and we got activated for that here in New York. And so I spent some time on um, an anti-terrorism task force. And I started, you know, my my priorities changed. You know, the world was certainly a different different place uh, at that point. And um you know, um, I was on that task force for a couple of years. We worked around, we worked in the airports. We worked around city hall in, the, in New York city where I patrolled the Bo Brooklyn bridge. I worked with 
uh, FBI, I worked with NYPD, I worked with Port Authority PD. We did some really cool stuff. Um, and then when it came time to get out, I had all this leave time. You know, the rules change and everything. So I was burning up my leave time and I got stop lost. Oh, um, geez. Yep. So I had actually started in business. Um, and I got a call saying, hey, you got to report. You got two days to get your things in order and you got to report to Fort Drum. And uh, we're going to Iraq. So that was kind of a slap in the face. That was in 2003. Um, I guess that was like September of 2003. And so I went and did that. We did the train up. Uh, we went over. We were there in 2004. Uh, coincidentally, I landed back in the United States on New Year's Eve, 04, going into 05. And then I was released from my stop loss May uh, 16th of 2005. So that's wow. my military career, man. Wow. Well, I, I got to, I just got to ask going back to you know, working on the bridge with the FBI and other government agencies, because you got the military in there, you got to the civilian agencies. Was it as big of a cluster, you know what, as I would expect, or was it actually organized? No, it was, it was very organized, man. It okay. was very organized. Um, it, initially, it probably was a little bit of a cluster, but it was it was very organized. It was shift work. I mean, a lot of what we did was really just like being a, a, a visible presence, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, given the time. I just, when you said that, I was like, oh, man, I know how the military is, right? If you put a bunch of troops on that bridge, it's, you know, the bridge is going to fall down for some reason. Nobody's going to know who did it. They're going to be pointing fingers each direction. You know, but you think of government agencies, they run a little smoother. And I'm like, him cooperating back then, you know, in the chaos of everything. Like, I don't know. My mind works in weird ways like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, I wonder if that was that was smooth or not. So there was a lot of management, emergency management systems that came out of that whole thing. Because it, it was overall, uh, uh, excuse my language, but it was a shit show overall, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I later worked for New York State. Um in the law enforcement capacity. And that was just as bad. I mean, nobody wants to share information. You know, everybody wants to be the one who, who does the thing that gets the glory. Yeah. You know, puff out their chest, thing. get the medals and all the awards. And absolutely. Yeah. That's unfortunate reality sometimes. Yeah. So you said you got your start in business, uh, right, right at that stop loss time. Yeah. What, yeah. What, back what, in... What'd you do? What, you know, what, what prompted that and what'd you start in? Uh, so my best friend from, from childhood and his mom had a, had a business. They were in New York city. I happened to be there, right. Doing this stuff. So I actually started moonlighting, um, on my downtime, I would go in and just jump into doing various things. Like the first thing that, that I did with them was, um, a sales tax audit. So we represented a hotel, the, you know, the state of New York said, Hey, you guys, you didn't pay enough sales tax. So we're going to come audit your book. So I helped them prepare for that. And, and I learned a lot about uh, like bureaucracy and how, how things work that way and, and, and the world of business. And I said, heck, we could probably make a lot of money doing this. So, I mean, it's a valuable service, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, I think you know, when the government comes knocking to your business, understandably, you're going to freak out. Yeah. Like, even if you know everything is right, I, that's one of those things that could make you sit there and question whether, am I doing it right? Did I hire the right accountant? Is everything done on the up and up? Like, I think it is, but, you know, this is the government, so everybody freaks out. So that had, that had, been, had to have been very, very interesting. 
Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, like that, like type of accounting can be very boring too. And and I'll tell you that at times it was very boring, like just going through files and and making sure the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and things like that. But uh, you know, it led to a lot more. Um, we we did a lot of different work, and I got into a little bit of just a little bit of marketing back then, um, working for some some brands that are pretty popular. I don't really know if I can say, but I'm going to say anyway. Um, we worked for a guy by the name of Tom Brown. Uh, Tom Brown is now massive men's fashion designer, um, which is kind of outside of, uh, you know, my, my persona, but it was pretty cool. Um, also a very cool guy. I, I, I got to see the way that he framed his business and the way that he built his brand. And that was, I mean, he did a phenomenal job. You know, one of the things he would say is, uh, you should be so memorable, like to the point where you wear the same thing every day that people remember you because of that, you know, well, it's kind of like Steve Jobs. Like yeah, you pretty exactly. much wear like pretty much, you know, Johnny Cash, the man in black. Like that was just his thing. Yep. Yep. Or I see a really old school mini pearl and the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the price tag on the hat. Yeah, I'm too much of a fan of classic country, but that's too much information. People didn't need to know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that's a really good point, though. Just be be memorable like that. It's an yeah. interesting lesson. Yeah, no, I mean, he he really revolutionized uh, men's fashion, men's suits. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Probably around that time, the early 2000s to mid 2000s, suits used to be like like big boxy shoulders, double breasted, you know pinstripes and blah 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 he came out and designed these suits and um they were very athletically cut the jackets were shorter they fit more more naturally they they you know hugged the body the the cuffs were shorter the 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 length of the pants were shorter i mean i see all kinds of other brands now building you know making their suits the same way i mean he really did change he changed the industry now i mean super creative he does a lot of women's stuff now too and um he does a lot of you know artistic there's a lot of artistic elements to fashion um but uh that's that's kind of not my that's not my realm you know? it's kind of yeah I, men's fashion isn't my thing either but i know exactly what you're saying you look back at the pictures of business guys in the 90s and it's just like they just draped the fabric over when you go back to the 80s and everything was like baby blue was that 80s 70 i don't know when they were doing it the baby blue suits. Oh yeah. I don't right. know why that was ever a trend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that at all. There's no way, you know, yeah. you know, they got leisure suits before that and all, you know, there's uh, every, I guess every decade has its thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, really. So what, uh, when did you get into the marketing and stuff full time? Yeah. So I, you know, we came home from Iraq and, Again, I had leave time to burn. I had all this leave time to burn. So I think I actually stopped. My last day on Fort Drum was, I can't remember exactly, February maybe. Um, and with all this leave time, it was like, what are you going to do? And everybody was going to go here and go there. And, you know, we were at, we were overseas at war for a long time. So everybody had money when they came home, you know. Guys were buying trucks. Guys were going on these crazy vacations, and I, I just went back to business, which I probably should have taken some time off. But I went and I jumped back into it because I wanted, 
I felt like I was building something and I missed like 15 months of, I had to catch up, you know? Huh? Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went back and I, I had a difficult time being in the city, to be honest with you. Um, so I did that for, um, I don't know exactly, maybe a year and a half or so I did that. And then I, uh, I felt like I needed to leave. I felt like I needed to leave, um, for so many different reasons. Um, uh, but I'll tell you a story. Um, so we had an office on 39th street near eighth Avenue in Manhattan. That's like the, it's near port authority. It's like just South of port authority. It's just North of uh, Madison square garden. And I was living just across the river in New Jersey. And I used to take a bus. I'd go right through the Lincoln tunnel, which is right there. I would catch the bus at port authority. There was a gym on like, 40, say 40th street or 41st street a block or two away i would go to the gym and um you know i had a molly a molly pack like my old rucksack and i would just throw my suit in there and i would be walk trucking with my gym clothes and i'd go to the bus and one day i was i was uh coming around the corner onto 42nd street right by the port authority bus terminal my little bus is there and i'm walking along and i see this guy like arguing with his girlfriend I didn't really pay any attention to it. You know, I just saw that there was some kind of a commotion and I looked up and um, this dude kind of got, I don't know, I guess he was heated or whatever. And he, he, he mimicked like he was going to punch me. And my reaction to that was I punched him first. You know, I saw his hand coming. I don't know if he was going to punch me or what, but I just kind of, I punched him right in the throat and he was well not wait and find out. Right. <laughs> he had a really funny, uh, reaction, like, you know, like a really comical thing. But instantly I was like, what the hell did I just do? And I ran to the bus and I got on the bus, got on the back of the bus. And I was like, you gotta go, you gotta go. I didn't know if the cops were going to come. I didn't know what I just started, you know? So that, that moment right there, I was, um, that was a really big introspection. That was a really big point where I said, maybe, maybe the city's not for me right now. Maybe these crowds aren't, aren't where I should be. And so I, uh, I'm originally from upstate New York, so I headed back home, um, and I, I wound up getting a job with a local publisher up there. He had five newspapers and a magazine, and that's when I started in advertising. So that was 2006. <laughs> that was 2006, I guess. Um, well, mag- yeah. print, print, print advertising, it's uh, seen some changes since then. Oh yeah. I mean, it's yeah. totally different, you know? Um, but the thing I love about that is I was, I was on uh, the sales side and then I got into copywriting and um, I wound up being first being the manager of the magazine. Um, the the manager before me, she stepped down and I, I was just there really. So I got some really great experience with writing a different type or producing a different type of ads, you know, um, it's it's completely different than what we see now. Uh, yeah, you kind of got to make it. Well, I mean, your audience is different. Just depends on what magazine and newspaper, and you know, we can get so targeted with things with social media now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, social media when when Facebook came along, um, I I didn't really get into AdWords until after I got into Facebook. You know, but the the targeting tools with social media and with the internet and with this technology in general are ridiculous right so but with a newspaper and probably every demographic in every little small town that receives that newspaper is reading a piece of it so how do you target your demographic you know and how do you track that and 
you know, it's really, really crazy, but, um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about speaking to your audience because that's really the way to do it, you know? And, um, so that, that was really cool. At the same time, I, I wound up buying a bar. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Yeah. Just, just what an infantry guy needs is a, a bar, but, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was in 06 also. 06, 07, 08. Uh, we had it for two years. Um, in 2008, the market crapped out and we, we didn't do as well as we thought we were going to do with this thing. Um, my first son was born. It's like chaos, you know, that, that whole time coming back from Iraq and like trying to, trying to really make my mark in business in Manhattan. And just that was so chaotic. And, uh, it's really reflective of what was going on in my head. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of chaos going on there. So. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people at that time, I mean, I was in the military at that time, but so I always felt like sheltered, you know, from the, from the crash and everything. But, you know, I mean, a lot of people lost a lot of things, you know, in, in the crash. And I think when people fall in hard times, that's one of the first things to go. They might be drinking more, but they're probably drinking at home. That's you know, right. Yeah. You know, the, the cost of going out for restaurants and entertainment and things like that, like it's got to stop. It's just got to stop. I mean, same thing happened during COVID when, you know, people weren't working and things, you know, it's, people fell on hard times and, you know, that's the first thing that's got to go. Yeah. You can, you can, it's kind of sad to go to some places now. I'm in the Midwest, so it's not that bad. I have been places like Miami where you can get a $50 margarita. <laughs> I can buy a lot of margarita material yeah. <laughs> stuff uh, here at my local liquor store for 50 bucks. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. So, yeah, we were a dive bar too. I mean, I never, I never raised prices. That probably didn't help, but, uh, I did notice that people were coming to the bar already primed up. So like people would still come out, but they weren't spending as much money and un understandably, you know, yeah, you got a pregame. I mean, I was pretty good at pregaming when I was in the military. Got to, you know, got drinking your dorm. Well, of course that, you know, don't hate me for the air force. I got to drink in your dorm room before you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or go to the day room and sit in front of the TV and drink for a couple of hours with everybody and play, shoot some pool. You know, we had a good life, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know you gotta do what you gotta do so so now it's been all these years you've been in marketing and stuff so just dive right into it you know as we look into going into 2023 there's a lot of a lot of trends and a lot of crazy stuff in marketing things have changed so much over the last couple of years especially with covid and digital stuff and things that google's doing but what kind of strategies do you see that that is hot right now and is there anything like on the horizon that people should be aware of that's coming down, whether it's Google or social or anything like that. Yeah. Um, th there's a bunch of answers here, you know, like everything that we did two years ago still works. It's just, we've been exposed to so much. We probably don't think that it works, but it does. Whatever you do, if you focus on it and you do it and you do it well, it works. Facebook ads work. Webinars still work, believe it or not. I mean, there's, there's, there's things that are replacing webinars. Um, the iOS updates, they, they were crazy. So the tracking that we just talked about, while it's still very sophisticated compared to print in the early 2000s, um, retargeting is a little more challenging, but there's a lot of tools out there now available to help people retarget. And, um, you know, Google, Google is a really great place to be, uh, search ads, but Google has a product now called performance max. And, um, the Google algorithm is incredibly powerful. Um, 
So I don't really know where I'm going to go with this. I'm just going to let this come out of my mouth. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Let it go. <laughs> um, there, you know, you, you would hear that people need to be touched five to seven times, maybe seven to nine times in order for them to be a lead. That, uh, that thing that's been kicking around for years, that's a study that the Harvard business review did in the fifties. So with all the distractions and, and all the events that are happening right in the palm of your hand nowadays, we need way more than five to seven touches. I mean, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, sometimes it's just hitting the right person at the at the at the right time when they're ready to act. Right product, right service, right time. Yeah, but yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, sometimes it's it's the uh, the compound effect of constantly being in front of somebody's eyes. Yeah, completely. Well, the Google Performance Max algorithm is built on five hundred touch points. So. Uh, basically, you put in your ass, your assets, the headlines, the the copy that you want, the the pictures. Um, this thing will actually even make a video for you if you want, but the the videos don't perform all that well. The videos that uh, that Google makes or that this performance max algorithm makes, but the idea here is it's like very smart. It's it's AI based, and Google has so much information about each one of us that. They, they, you know, the algorithm analyzes your behavior and it produces things that based on that behavior, you will be most likely to interact with. So it takes all those assets, you give it a pool of assets and it creates something unique for each person that is showing an ad to. And it's all across every Google property. So Gmail, YouTube, you know, search display, display being banner ads on partner websites. I mean, just everything that Google has uh, shopping, you know, literally every property that's where it works and, um, super powerful, especially for, uh, e-commerce brands, you know, people that are selling things online, super powerful, bringing people into your funnel. Retargeting is still an issue there. You know, retargeting, it requires people to get a little bit more creative. Um, but the performance max is a big thing. And then TikTok. TikTok is crazy. TikTok organic is extremely powerful. TikTok advertising is becoming extremely powerful. I've been hearing the same things. Some of the, the things I've I've been watching, you know, it's it's. I think that's difficult for some people though. Not not only just video, but like if you got long form video to cut it up and people's technical abilities to do some of that stuff, I think puts a lot of people. There's a lot of smart people that are really good in their industries. That would probably kill it with their knowledge. They just don't know how to do video. Well, uh, you could do it with your phone. The cameras on your phone are ridiculous. Um, oh, it's it's my 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 cell phone camera is just as good as the digital camera that I have behind me that I, I use for real estate photos. Yeah, I mean, I just I, as good. I shoot I shoot my reels with my with my phone. I use this. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to figure this <laughs> out. I use this little shotgun mic. And it, and it just plugs into my phone and, um, it cuts down the background noise. I've got a nice, yeah. Free, same. free advertisement for road. That's you. That goes on my digital camera. It sits right there on my desk. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take much, you know, um, a, a tripod and, you know, I am no expert when it comes to making the videos. I have a guy, right. But what I've learned from him is that push record document what video you're recording and then record. And if you mess up, just 
go back a couple of words behind where you messed up and start again because you can just you can just edit everything. So you after you get the hang of it, you can take about two minutes and and create a reel that would be anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. And then yeah. throw some subtitles in it, maybe some sound effects and go. Um, probably giving away some big secrets here, but it's it's like with anything in marketing, you need a hook. So have a hook, provide your information. So we would say hook, story, close. Hook, provide your information, whether that's a story, a piece of uh, advice or, or any anecdotal evidence, whatever, and then a call to action. You know, if you like this video, follow for more. If you uh, want to know more, click the link in my bio or go to go to my website and buy this thing, you know, whatever it is. That's that's really simple framework. And if if you can do that, I think it's extremely powerful. And on TikTok, just do it. Just just you just have to do it. Literally, if you get fluid enough, I, I think you can, you know, shoot videos, you know, two minutes. You yeah. Know, from from start to, to hitting, you know, hop into the app, hit record, do your thing. You know, it really doesn't take much, but I, I do want to bring up something, get you, get your thoughts on this. I heard this somewhere years ago before I started this podcast and I kept it in mind when I started those first two, three, four, five episodes. I don't really think about it as much now, but when you start diving into video for your marketing or whatever you're doing, your worst video you've already done. Yeah. It, my I, One of the 75 or so episodes I've got out is my worst one. That's not up to me to just, I mean, you know what? And I think they're all good. But when you keep that perspective in the back of your mind of like, I can't screw this up anymore. You know, it, it can't, can't be that bad. Yeah. I mean, the more you do it, the better you get. And, and nobody's perfect, you know, but in social media, you know, it's cool to have a very cool, you know, produced video. I, I have a, a video that I had a videographer go with me this summer to a conference in, um, uh, Costa Rica and he produced what I thought was an amazing piece. That's like my lowest performing piece. It's overproduced by overproduced. I mean, it's just, it looks very professional, but people don't respond to that on social media, you know? Yeah. I think that my opinion, I think that works for commercials or some, some things like that. But if you really <laughs> want to connect with your audience, they need to see, you know, who you are as a person. Yeah. Not the <laughs> scripted, polished, you know, things like that. I did some videos once with the, I don't know, good number of years ago on real estate stuff. And it was, it was quite the experience, but yeah, nobody ever really paid attention to those. It's funny. It's funny that that happens. I mean, I love it. I love the video because it looks so cool, but, and I, and I see the video and I remember those experiences, but in terms of value for the audience or, or anybody that's watching it, you know, the people just not watching it. So. Yeah. Well, it's gotta have, it's gotta have value and somebody's got to listen to it and be like, Hey, I can get something from this. If not, yeah, they're not going to watch it. Yeah. So then, yeah, that TikTok, um, TikTok is incredibly powerful. I mean, if you scroll through there, if you've got a TikTok account, you scroll through, think about how many people that you, you follow on there because of one video, you just watch one video and they're just being raw and real genuine. And they're just telling their stories. You know, I have to admit that I found, found myself on mill talk, you know, a lot <laughs> weird how the algorithm works, right? As a veteran, you end up on mill talk, but you know, you just kind of connect with these stories, follow, follow, follow. The next thing you know, it's like, that's all you see between that and, you know, news clips here and there and information. I probably get more of my news because I don't watch the news from TikTok than I do anywhere else. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't watch any news. I don't watch any TV really at all. 
but yeah. I try, I also try not to consume too much on these things, you know, because I'm, I'm working on these platforms every day, all, you know, all day. It's, it'd be very easy to become extremely unproductive, you know? Absolutely. I think that's, you know, I, I'm that way with Facebook. I have to shut down Facebook on my desktop when I'm working because if I get a notification and I see it up there, it's like, oh, yeah, I got a couple of notifications or I hear the ding. It's, you know what I mean? I just have to shut those down yep. to focus on what I'm doing, which is helpful and, and, you know, to get things done. At the end of the day, if you don't get things done, you ain't making any money in business. Right. So, right. yeah. So, uh, as for what people are doing right now, I know this, this could be an open, open-ended question or interesting one. What should people stop doing right now that you're seeing out there in terms of marketing? The thing that just like makes your blood boil and you're like, why do people do this? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's one thing that really makes my blood boil, but I think, um, I don't, there, again, there's a couple of answers, you know, like the biggest thing that people are doing is not doing anything. Right. So if, if you're not doing anything, you could have the most amazing website in the world, but if you're not doing anything to get people there, it's like having an Island, a beautiful resort on an Island in the middle of the ocean with no way to get there. Yeah. Look at this big, beautiful mansion and the pools and all the wonderful food and nobody to enjoy it with. Right. <laughs> right. So that's a darn good point. One, one of mine for, for, for marketing is, is, uh, these people that reach out like through LinkedIn, you know, and they send you a request or it hasn't happened, but somebody just added me on Facebook today, right? Six or seven mutual friends. They're all local. I look at this person's profile, personal page on Facebook on this particular situation. And it's all like health and fitness, like mm -hmm. before and after I'm, you know, fitness coach, whatever. I'm not trying to pick on health and fitness coaches, but it goes across all of the coaching and guru brands, if you will. And, and, no, and some people do a great job of what they're doing, but I almost expect sometime in the next 24 hours, I'm going to get a, a Facebook message that says, Hey, I help people lose weight. And are you interested? Like no effort to build a connection. Um, just jump right into that sales pitch. Like that just, that's my, my pet peeve. I see it all the time. I'm sure you do too. And everybody else listening. Yeah, no, I see it. I, I, I mean, we, we do cold outbound too. Our approach is a little bit different. Um, LinkedIn is extremely spammy. LinkedIn is like you accept the request yeah. and you get the pitch. Oh, like 30 seconds. You know, and I'm not opposed to somebody reaching out through those platforms or even Facebook, but there's no effort to like, like soften that, build some sort of relationship, have a little bit of a conversation. You know, like I've learned some things from you, you know, in the past, like, but they just jump straight to the sales pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, buy for me, buy my $500 program and all these guaranteed results. Are you interested? Like, I don't know anything about you. Like you haven't shown me what the value is. Like, yeah, I might want to lose a hundred pounds, but you know, <laughs> you haven't shown that. me like how I'm going to do it or, you know, you know what I mean? People do that in groups too. I've seen it in groups all the time. Abs yeah. It's yeah, the spam, I guess. We just, just throw that under the blanket of spam. Yeah, it's spam and it's, you know what, um, in my life I've done cold calling. I've actually gone to doors and knocked on doors. And so I understand what that is. And then there's a reason why people still do it because you get yourself in front of someone and it's a numbers game and you get enough no's, you're eventually going to get a yes. So that's true. Yeah. That's, that's what that's become. Um, but I think that because I'm because I'm a marketer because I come from a marketing background, 
we do things as a test. We do everything as a test. So I'll start off with a message that I think is going to work as a baseline. And then we, we get certain numbers from it and we look at positive responses and negative responses and we analyze it and we say, all right, this message is garbage. People are not connecting to this. Let's try yeah, this a little bit differently. The, the canned spam message that reads the same way that all those people use, you know, instead of showing some of your personality, making a little bit of a connection or, you know, just jumping right into it and be like, Hey, do you know anybody, you know, try the referral route. Like, Hey, I'm not trying to sell you. Do you know anybody who might be interested? Like yeah. going those kind of routes, like it softens that blow and opens, I think it opens more opportunities and use it as number game. And the more opportunities you have, the better your odds. Yeah. You know, and if, if you expand your network, it's, it's bound to be useful in one way or another, you know? You Absolutely. Know. And then of course, uh, if you can be yourself, then you're going to attract the right people and repel the wrong people. You know, like some people hate mustaches, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how they could hate that. I mean, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of jealous because I just can't grow mine like that. It just, I could try forever. I don't think I could pull that off. It's just not going to happen. Just like I can't grow hair. I always wear the hat. I don't wear the hat because I'm bald. I think most of my viewers probably know that. But I just got this light that shines on my head, and it's extremely distracting. and bothers the heck out of me. But I just haven't fixed it to make it dimmable yet. <laughs> but, you know, it's – anyway. So, um, you know, speaking of, like, that spam, and, and some people just kind of want that winning recipe. Like they want that success now, which we all know, like you got to work for it. And success doesn't happen overnight, but you know, is there something that somebody can do to like jumpstart that success? If they're trying to market it, like maybe a new business, like what gives them the best first step? If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, there, there's a lot of factors, right? So it depends on the budget. If, if, you have either money or you have time. That's a darn good point. <laughs> so if if you if you don't have a lot of money, then you have to spend your time doing things like this. You have to reach out to the people you already know and ask that question. Hey, I don't know if you know this about me, but I started this business and I help people do this. Do you know anybody that might benefit from this? Yes or no, right? They say yes or no, or they don't answer. Uh, that's a really great way to be in the DMs. And then from there, it's expanding the network and it's, it's finding the people that you think you can serve and then delivering content to them that is valuable with no expectation. And then eventually you get them into a conversation where you make an ask, whether that's an ask for a referral or an ask for business. But you you have to ask, you know, you have to have that thing. I guess probably getting started in business, you have to learn how to be uncomfortable. I really think that is uh, probably one of the most valuable tools that you have. That's a, that's a good one. I like where you went with that because it's true. I mean, you have to be uncomfortable. Like you're either going to put yourself out there in front of people or like you said, you got, you know, pay for ads and, you know, do those, go that kind of route. Then you're going to get uncomfortable financially starting off yeah. a business. Right. So like one way or another, there's no easy answer, middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't. Right. I mean, but, and, and the thing is too, like, you know, everything is really a test that you have to approach it that way. You have to track the, what you're doing so that you can manage it. So you can analyze it and change, you know, to improve. 
we we all have a notion and and probably some of us got you know we're in the direction of a business because we at some point had the problem that we're solving and so we're really selling to our a former version of ourselves but that's not always the case and that former version of yourself manifested you know coming through somebody else they they may have different tastes we don't know so when um one thing that i see this is kind of going back to your last question, but one thing that I see that people do is they make their decisions based on emotion, right? They see this, this piece that maybe isn't performing well. They think it's not performing well, or it makes them feel uncomfortable. And and so they think everybody else is going to make them feel uncomfortable. And so they change it without analyzing the data, without seeing that you don't, you don't know what you're doing. And then, so if you do get results or if your results get worse, you don't really know, you have no direction to get there or to get back, you know? So yeah, that's, so. that's a good one. Yeah. I think data is, data is like not enough people look at data or track the data. And another thing I, I see it, and I feel like I can see it pretty clearly. It's usually pretty obvious, but people who don't treat their business like a business, like it's a hobby, it's whatever, just, Going through the motions, you know, whatever, you know, it's, I'll give you a perfect example in my industry in real estate. When I meet somebody new in the business and you find out why they got into business and it's because, oh, I like watching the TV shows about houses. I love houses. Okay. Boy, do you have a wake up call coming? Reality is about to slap you right across the face really quick because that's fine to like houses, but you have to build a business. You have to build your website, manage your social, manage your transactions, do all your paperwork, go out and meet new people, network. Like you have, to, you know, you have to do all that stuff. Your financials, your business planning, like, you know, the going out and looking at houses is like 5%, 10% of your job. Yeah. Maybe, you know, depending on how active you are. Like, <laughs> so like that's your reason to get into the business, but that's 10% of your business, like what you do. So, you know, that's, that's one thing I see. I see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be a defense mechanism too, though, you know, like going back to the comfort zone. If you, if you don't take it serious, if you don't put yourself 100% into it, then there's always an excuse. There's always a reason that you can fall back on why it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah, I mean, go back to it and be like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I love houses. It just didn't work. Like whatever sure. reason, instead of just ignoring the fact, it's like, you know what? I never had a business plan. I didn't structure my days right. I didn't manage my time correctly. I didn't do this. I didn't do that, you know, but I think that's what makes some people successful. The people who are able to reflect, to analyze their data, reflect and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I should be doing it in every aspect of my life and I try to do it a lot, you know, but there, there's still, even as somebody who's dealing with data, with data and, uh, with numbers every day, I don't, <laughs> I don't do as much as I should, you know, and we all uh, need to improve on that. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're being, if well, if you're reflecting appropriately and you're honest with yourself, then I think everybody would say, well, I'm not doing enough. Like, I could clean this up or clean that up. Or like, I need to do review this more often, or I can do better. Yeah. Keep raising that bar. You just said I'm not doing enough. And it reminds me, I just read Ed Milet's book, um, The Power of One More. 
Ooh, I have not read that yet. That's a great, really it's, a, it's a great book. And it's really that, that mentality right there is that, you know, you have to give more. If you want to improve, you have to give more. I mean, how many times when you're, when you're in the military, do you hear like, you know, like our unit or whatever, you have to set the bar higher. Yep. You know, you got to compete against the next unit. I was Air Force Security Forces. We felt like as law enforcement and security for the base, we were held to a higher standard than what the rest of the Air Force standard was. You can't enforce the laws if you're not holding yourself to the higher standard. You know, it was just kind of just right. un, unspoken, well, semi-unspoken. Sometimes it was spoken out loud, but <laughs> that was just the culture. You know what I mean? You, you set that culture of this is what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of takeaways on that one for people. Yeah. <laughs> we I mean, just had some good ones there. No, I just, I think um, if you're, if you're in business and you're serious about it, if you're an entrepreneur, the, the thing that I love about entrepreneurship is all the growth that comes with it. Like I love making money. I love putting food on the table. I love my family to have great things, but the intrinsic reward is my personal growth. And then the growth of the people that I'm working with and the growth of the people that I'm helping. And I think mindset is a massive piece of that. So I, you know, mindset is like one of those words nowadays where, all right, what's he selling? But <laughs> Yeah. That goes back to the coaching. I know once yeah. again, no offense to that, but you have a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think mindset, well, I've, we could talk for hours about this, but you know, I think mindset is what's actually responsible for the other success, whether that's in a job, in a career, in the military, in athletics or in business, you know, it's, it's your mindset. Yeah. Are you, yeah, are you focused on the right things? Are you focused on growth? Are you focused in the right direction? Focusing your energy on something positive and impactful versus wasted time. You know, like you mentioned earlier, you don't watch TV. I, I don't watch TV much either. I unless it's a unless it's a football game. You know, and it's it's got to be the Broncos or the Buckeyes. That's that's my college and pro teams. Um, I might catch a basketball game every now and then on TV. I don't watch baseball. I'll watch the Olympics when it comes up sometimes, like casually, but. That's it for live TV. You know, I've got a couple of streaming devices. And if I spend time at the evening, I might I might watch two or three episodes of something before going to bed. That's it. I don't watch the news. I don't watch daytime talk shows. I don't I don't do any of that. It's a waste of my time. Yeah. I got I gotta focus my energy on other things. So it's you know, it's just not focusing on that negative. Because, you know, we we all know that not to go down that rabbit hole, but the news is not oh, a, is not a positive thing to be focusing your attention on. Yeah. That was it's important. The... It's important to know what's going on in the world, but don't consume yourself. I don't know if the news tells us what's actually going on in the world. Yeah. There's some truth in there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't watched the you just got to figure out what, what percentage of it's truth. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, that's my thoughts. Like there's, there's, there's some truth in there. You know, another thing I've heard over the years, right? You know, there's two sides to every story, and then the truth is in the middle. And when you're listening yes. to the news, you're getting one side of the story. Right. So, you know, you know you're not getting the full truth. So Yeah. That's my two cents. Yeah. Now I mean I've seen I've seen things firsthand how they come out and uh I was in Iraq during like Abu Ghraib, all that stuff. And um I, while I wasn't there and I didn't take part in any of that, there were other events that were taking place and 
um, the news that was being reported was way off. And I thought that was funny when I came home, I didn't watch news for a long time. And then eventually I started watching news again, but, um, I would say I gave news up officially when this whole pandemic started. That was probably a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff on the news at that point. Yeah. It was like it, total divisive, totally divisive. You know, it was like yeah. pitting people against each other and it's, it's, it's mostly hearsay, I think, but I mean, I don't want to get into that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot to that, but We'll, we'll bring this back back on the topic here. Um, back to marketing. We want to kind of switch to branding a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, every business should have a logo. They should have a brand, you know, some sort of brand identity. You know, any any tips for people who are looking to, you know, to establish that, like do's and don'ts for brands? Well, I mean, I, I feel a certain way about this. Like marketing is important. Marketing is giving your business the opportunity to make the sale. And I think branding and PR kind of go hand in hand. And that is, you know, showing the identity of your brand and the personality of your brand. So when you culture, like the culture of the company, what you stand for. Yeah. yeah. When, when you, the public image, right. So when you, when you first start out, I don't think branding is as important. Um, And I'm speaking very generally, you know, in some in some industries and in some niches and some sizes of businesses, it's very important. But for the average Joe, we'll say uh, your personality of yourself coming through your your brand, I think that is enough. You you need to focus on getting your business in front of the right people and 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 making those conversions that way. As that starts to happen, your brand develops, and that's when you that's when you can really lean into branding. Um, it's my two cents, you know, some yeah. people will say the opposite. You need a brand before anything, but I think if you focus you don't know on who you are, brand, if, you, if, you, if you haven't started. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's kind of an excuse to not get started. You know, <laughs> you got <laughs> a website, you got business cards and you got wrote, you know, yard signs and you got all this stuff. Do you have customers? Because until you have a customer, you're not a business, you know, that's, that's a darn good point. My kids have talked about wanting to be business guys. Right. And they, they had ideas and they're they're like, I'm gonna have a business. So I'm like, you don't even have a product or service yet. And until you get a product or service, you're not fixing a problem. And if you're not fixing a problem, you don't have anything. And we're just like, oh, I guess I gotta think about that. Yeah, they're kids, so they never thought more about it. But <laughs> I would imagine, you know, going back to what you're saying, depends on if you're a product business or a service based. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're a product, you might need you have to sell the product. It could be important, but if you're, if you're a service, depending on what service you're providing, I guess you might need more of a brand. Yeah. You know, I, I, think in both cases, I think in both cases, eventually you need a brand, right? Like at eventually, some point yeah. you're going to hit your, your limit, your wall where your marketing is your, your marketing works, but it doesn't, it doesn't go beyond what it, what's working. Right. So you, that's when the brand voice comes out and, um, I, I would point to brands like Nike or Apple or, you know, big brands like that, that um, Apple especially has a funny story. They focused on the features and benefits of their products for a long time. And like they, they had great products, but they didn't sell. That's when jobs got bounced. He, he got kicked out of his own company. And then um, because of the whole 
operating system that he built when he got brought back, his approach was then to focus on how it changes, you know, the, the user's life. When they started focusing on that, that's when the Apple brand really was built and became big. So I think that just shows our age right there. <laughs> yeah. There's a young listeners are like, what are you talking about? I've had iPhones my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I, I remember the day back in the days of, you know, Macintosh computers or remember the ones that were like all in one and they had the colorful shells. Yeah. Anyway. I, I have just, one here. I have one in my house still. Really? Yeah. It's I'll in the closet. I feel like it's worth something. So yeah, you got like an antique now. I think anything over 25 years old is an antique and it's gotta be like, it's gotta be close to that. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty, 20, pretty close. 22 here. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to that. I just, um, I wanted to ask that question because I see a lot of people just like, oh, I'm starting a business. Like I have to get the, I have to get the brand right. I have to get the logo right. And it's like, do you really need it? Like right off the bat? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you could find that it's going to help you early. I'm, I'm not saying delay could, for a yeah. long time. You know, what comes with the brand is trust. So that's why I say if you put yourself out there and you're a tr trustworthy person, which um, I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, you know, if you're in business and you have good intentions, that's going to come out. And if that comes out, that's, that's the trust that you establish. Then you can build the brand, the, the voice, the, the uh, persona, if you will. Um, but, you know, branding and PR are very important to build that high, high level of trust and uh, social proof. And it's kind of funny because um, if you see somebody that's been featured, say, in Forbes or Entrepreneur, just the fact that they've been featured gives them, like, I don't, I don't know, it's just the psychological credibility that someone has because of that, whether you actually know them or not. It's an interesting thing. So, that you know, when branding does come into play, that that is huge. Yeah, I mean, it... it you know, if you're a public speaker, like it's going to be, it's going to be huge if you have those kind of things on your resume. Like I've been featured on uh, this news station and that news station and this yeah. podcast, that podcast, blah, blah, you know, blah, 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 whatever down the list. But check out my third TED talk. You yeah, know. exactly. Right. Like, I don't even know how you get into a TED talk in the first place. <laughs> I, I don't know much about it, but I know several people that have have spoken and it's, it's, it's got a lot of value for them. You know? No, I, that absolutely. I mean, it's a hugely recognized brand. Hell I watch Ted talks on YouTube all the time. Like there's so, so much great content out there. So like it does, it gives that, that credibility that your brand needs. Then you got to have everything else that falls in line, you know? So I think maybe we assume that those brands have a powerful vetting process, you know, which, which they do. But I mean, Unless you've been through that vetting process, I don't think you really know what it is. Right. It might actually be way easier than you think. But right. you think about this big brand, it's established, everybody knows who it is. So it must be difficult to get yourself into that. Actually, a couple of years ago when I was in college, University of Illinois, Springfield, um, they had a, a, a TED Talk come in and they were asking for speakers. And from my perspective, it was just like an app, just apply, you know, fill out like, what do you want to talk about? How long is it? Which what's your slides? What do you need? And then somebody in some dark room puts them all out in front of them and picks, we're going to pick these 10 or whatever, you know, I don't know how they do it, but it looked like it was actually fairly easy. Just depends if they're, you know, independently operated or whatever, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you ask the right people getting on the news, isn't all that difficult either. 
if you ask, you know, Rob Garcia, you know, it's, you can write, make the right pitch the right way and you can get yourself on there. Yeah. He's, he's gotten quite a few people on uh, local news. Um, yeah. I mean, Rob's a smart guy too, with, uh, with all that visibility stuff. And Rob is the kind of person that's perfect for someone transitioning from that, that point where their brand could use that voice. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not big enough to like bring their own person in to the organization, but they need somebody who knows us, you know, walk me through the steps, like guide me through, you know, for consultation fee, obviously, but you know, write this <laughs> for me, walk me through this. Let's, let's, let's do this. Cause the company's not big enough to bring that, you know, that one person in permanently in the company. So yeah, that's, that's a great one. And that's a guy I got to get on the podcast one of these days. I've been working on him, but we yeah. just got to nail down the date. Absolutely. So another, another thing kind of working on the branding and the PR stuff, um, websites, I got, I have two thoughts on websites where I see people screw up all the time designs that look like, or probably were built in the 1990s <laughs> or people who run a business and seem to think that their Facebook is their website. Oh yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Hey, in the absence of a website, Facebook can work. That oh, should not be, yes. that should not be the permanent replacement for your website, you know, but uh, I agree. 100%. It's, it's all about, to steal a word from Rob, it's about the visibility. So you, you, and you need a place for people to see you and to learn about you, whatever that is. It could be the one page website with that people call a funnel. It could be a traditional website, but like, you know, this, this kind of goes back a little bit to the conversation to the point of the conversation where I was talking about touch points. There are a ton of distractions in the palm of your hand. So if, if you don't want your website to be so cluttered and, unusable that people don't invest 10 seconds, you know? So, um, Donald Miller and story brand is huge. Uh, I think, I think what he does and the advice that he gives and the way it's laid out a web, a, a story brand website or a story branded, uh, wire framed website, that story brand is very powerful and it's to keep it really simple. Left to right across the top should be your logo, what you do, and a call to action. And then people will scan from right back to the bottom of the screen to the left diagonally. So so your uh, your piece, whether that's a video or a picture, your your image there with more a little bit more information, very clearly telling people what you do, who you serve, and what you do, the problem you solve. And then again, across the bottom, they go left to right. That's how someone scans a website. Left to right across the top. Diagonal back to the bottom, left to right across the bottom. So another call to action right there. Do we call that above the fold? That's very basic. Um, anybody can do that. Yeah, no, it's it just kind of laid out right. And some of those websites these, these days are like really good. That's why I, I kind of cringe when I see some of these from like the 1990s and they load slow and things like that or. I've seen some where you click on it and then it just redirects to the company website. It's like you spent the time to get a domain name customized to whatever your business is. And then it just redirects to the company. Like, or it's not even like a page for you, like about the person or whatever. It's just like, Oh, back to the main page for the company. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. there's you know, independent contractor or something below it. It's all real. My reference there is real estate. It's yeah. Like, but oh, I mean, even my, so I, I merged with height. Uh, with Hike Digital this year. So 
my website, my height digital website is part of the main height website, but it's, it's definitely my, uh, um, I, I didn't mean for you to do that, but it's no, definitely, I, I, it was a good reminder to scroll across the bottom and <laughs> remind everybody it'll all be in the show notes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's part of the, the bigger, the bigger site, but, but it is dedicated to our branch of Millbrook. So what, what are the things people uh, other than you gave some great advice on the Z and above the fold and all that stuff, anything else people should do on their websites? Yeah. Like so SEO, like the, other things like that, that like people are missing like yeah, that I mean, ingredient that somebody could probably reasonably do themselves to improve their performance. Yeah. Um, SEO is in my opinion and the, the opinions of many others, SEO is the pound for pound champ when it comes to digital marketing. Um, you, but it's, it's also not, like a foreign language. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't know anything about it, if you haven't studied it, it's, I mean, it, it, it can be like a dot, it could be like learning Spanish if you've never taken Spanish before. Like yeah, but you it's learn amazing. it, you got to put some time into it, put a little bit of time into it to learn it, to really master it or get good at it. But there's, there's some things that you can do. So th th this is what SEO is, uh, gaining trust from Google that your users are going to have a positive experience on your website. That's it. So if you think of that, just laying it out that way is going to be an improvement. You know, you need to use search console. You need to get, um, I'll, I'm going to start spitting off stuff. And I, I forget if people know this or don't know this, but search console is what you use to get your pages indexed. And that's how you track the, the optimization. So you can use search console. You can add your page, your pages that you add to, your search console and ask Google to index it. Once it's indexed, then it's eligible for ranking, right? So then Google recognizes it and it gets ranked. Um, That's every page and the overall website. Yeah, but basically, some sometimes Google just won't rank a page. Like back in the day, you they used uh, location pages, and I I'm sure people still use location pages where they they would have the exact same page for every location that they want to hit. So like, um, uh. I'm going to use towns around me, but like Poughkeepsie, uh, it's like, let's say um, landscaping services in Poughkeepsie, landscaping services in Fishkill, landscaping services in uh, Carmel, you know, all these different towns, but the page is exactly the same. Well, the Google is smart enough to see that. Like, it's the same thing. You just, you just have a different page name. Yeah. Google thinks that's redundant, you know, so location pages now should, should all have you know, unique content on them. But um, that's, that's a little bit more maybe advanced. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that's advanced or not, but simple things that you can do are like making sure that your page loads quickly. Like maybe that's the number one thing. If your page takes two seconds to load, you're losing people. They don't, they don't want to wait two seconds to see the first thing on your page, you know? So well, that's how far two... we've come since the nineties and, and dial up. Oh man. You remember that? <laughs> oh my goodness. If you Once want again, to dating ourselves. website, you're, you're talking about 45 minute investment. Just I know, right. Just like website. type, type in, well, like Google wasn't around, but type in a website, ask Jeeves, right? <laughs> type in, ask Jeeves, hit enter, go throw that frozen pizza in the oven, cook it, cut it up, <laughs> eat it, come back, go back and get a drink, come back. Now it's loaded. Yeah. That's for the yeah. youngsters right there. That's how it went. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. 
but page load speeds and then um so you have meta tags right so if if you're if you have the ability to get inside of your website and and see those technical pieces the meta tags are important you know um you, you should be keyword rich uh you should be the title tag should really be uh what you do the name of your business what you do um and the the locations that you serve you know and then your h1 is really like the book title of your website the h1 tag is this is how we organize the website and this is what google looks at so um by h1 you mean the homepage? it's it's called an h1 tag like your your h1 uh tags um they're they're uh i don't know how to explain this um they're they're just like the titles the headings of the okay. sections of your website. There's H1, okay. H2, H3. You should have one H1 and then everything else should be an H2 or an H3. But it's it's uh, it's basically how your site is organized. So, so it's like the, <laughs> this is really dating me, but like the Dewey Decimal System in the old libraries, this is this is how you're organizing your website. And then Google scans this and says, okay, this is, this is good. This is gonna serve these people. We trust this. This is laid out well. This is gonna be a good user experience. Let's reward them with some ranking. You know that that's very basic stuff that you can do with j- just just by typing, just by typing in those those spaces. Um, there's plugins, you know. There's all kinds of things that help speed up your your page. It's likely to do with the video or the pictures that are on your page and the file size. So um, those those are some quick wins. And then in your in your tags, if you put the location. That's that's gonna help tremendously. And something I had uh, heard lately, I think I got a note somewhere on my desk. Think about it like going back, going back to grade school. Like you got nouns, verbs, adverbs, and adjectives, right? You need to make sure that, like, if you're a local service, you put in the noun like where that community is, right? And then you know what you do, how you do it, how it makes people feel, or what the benefit is. Like you have to spell all that stuff out in your content and, and all those things. And, you know, that's, that's how things are going to get picked up. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty fair assessment of a general direction. I'm, I'm looking, I have all these notes piled up here, but I know I have a, a recent note from a, a website that I audited. I'm not, I'm not going to waste time, but um, that's one of the easy, first things that we do. We look at a website we, we can, we can use some tools to kind of scan the website and see those things. And if they're in order or not, and it's always like the value that I give to someone, whether you want to work with me or not, if you want me to audit your website, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time on my end, but it's really easy for me because we've done it so many times. It's going to help. <laughs> it's going to help, you know? Well, just knowing where, where you're good and where you have deficiencies and where, you know, where you can focus your attention. That's key. Because I mean, there's a lot of stuff to it, and I, f- I feel like I got a general idea on the dig- you know on the websites and stuff. I am by no means an expert, but I'm I learn stuff all the time. Just like I said, like that was eye opening. Writing descriptions and writing things on the page, and make sure that you're hitting those different things in there. Well, here's here's one too that's really simple. Google recommends that you have 500 at least 500 words on your homepage. I've seen so many websites with very little content on their homepage. And if you don't have those 500 words, basically Google's saying people can't get enough information about you for this to be a positive experience. 
So really 500 to a thousand words is a really great place to be. And guess what? That gives you an opportunity to add more keywords. We don't just want to write a story made up of keywords, but yeah. Yeah. You don't want to stuff that full of <laughs> nonsense and gibberish. Somebody yeah. actually reads it and they're like, what the heck are they doing here? Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's a good one. Cause I think that's where, you know, a lot of people in business, a lot of veteran entrepreneurs, that's a struggle that everybody has is like, how do I get my, my, my website to rank higher? How do I stand out above the crowd, stand out of all this noise? We mentioned it just social media, like, our attention's everywhere and it's short. I mean, the standard is two seconds on a website, you know, 20, yeah, I mean, 20, I mean, 25 years ago. I mean, literally, I mean, you could literally go like, yeah, non-jokingly, you could go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> and some chips and, and pour a soda and come back and the website's still not loaded. Yeah. I don't even know if two, two seconds is a standard. I think it's like 1.45. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. You know? But I mean, we want it to load fast, you know, in real, you know, then you also have, you know, especially mobile and mobile friendly and you're at the whim of where are you, you know, do you have 5G? Because 5G is not in my area. I've been in 5G and boy, there is a speed difference. We don't even have 3G where I live. (laughs) You're like back in the stone age then, geez. Yeah, we, I have to use a, a wireless extender here, but I love that about where I live. Well, there's some, there's some pros and cons there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you get to the 5Gs, you know, you're living in the big city and you're surrounded by all that. You know, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. You know, it's faster. I, I I wouldn't say it seemed like it was that much faster, but I've noticed a difference. Like I get in pockets of areas where just it goes to 3G versus 4. And mm-hmm. there's a noticeable speed difference. Oh, yeah. And it's frustrating as we get used to it. So, uh, so the last thing you know, kind of PR disasters when it comes to marketing, you know, anything you've seen out there, things that people should just like, just not do. It's just going to lead to a disaster. Um, things people are doing wrong. Any, any examples that might enlighten people, make somebody sit up and say, yeah, maybe I should, I'm doing that. And maybe I shouldn't, or maybe I'm Wait, thinking I mean, about doing it. And I shouldn't, you know? Yeah. That's a tough question. Um, I think when, when it comes to PR nightmares, what I think of is, just, just bad press, you know, but I think these are some things that we can stay away from. We can stay away from politics with our business. We can stay away from, um, like, I gotta be careful how I say this because divisive issues. Yes. But if you want to be like, you should be polarizing in what you say, because that's how you're going to attract the people that, that want to work with you. Right. Or that want your product or service. Right. But I, I think it has to be done tastefully. I think it has to be done, well, I don't know. I mean, I might say something like, this is why your website sucks. I might say that as a hook at the beginning of a video where someone might say, well, my website doesn't suck, but they want to watch to figure out what the heck I'm saying, right? Yeah. That kind of polarity is good, but, you know. Um, Coming out and going X, Y, Z class of person sucks, you know, like, you know. Oh, yeah, or political party, or I don't like this, I don't like that. Yeah. That, I think that's a really big one. Um, I see that a lot. I can tell you as a consumer of products and services, like we all are. And that's why I asked the questions about the websites earlier is because, you know, Facebook could be a, a website for a little while. It doesn't replace it full time. But if somebody does has a long established Facebook page and no website, I may not do business with them. 
if I go to their personal page and I start looking and they're on one side of the aisle or the other strongly, or that I see them getting into arguments on Facebook on political stuff or religious stuff or whatever, it ain't happening. We're not doing yeah. business. Yeah, the arguing. Like not happen. I don't care what side it's on. I'm not doing business with somebody who's divisive. Yeah. You know, an interesting observation too about somebody that has a, a presence on social media and no website, or they have a website and they don't invest in a domain or um, – you know, they, they haven't put a lot of effort there is you wonder like, you know, what level is this business at? There's a perception there. It yeah. might be a great legitimate business. They're just, they just, yeah. I've seen those too. Like I'm trying to remember the last one I saw. Like you can get the domain, but like dot Weebly or dot Wix. Yeah. Dot com or whatever, like whatever we it is. Like domain for like seven bucks. Yeah. It's not that bad. I, Seven bucks, maybe 20, 25. Should note to say you probably shouldn't pay a couple hundred dollars for one unless it's a very popular one that has become available. I paid way too much for my domain. Yeah. I couldn't understand why. I, I paid like six or seven hundred dollars for my domain. I was in love with my domain because of what it meant to me. That was an emotional purchase, man. They really yeah. got me. I, I was offered for my own personal one, not the battle buddy podcast.net, but Keith McKeever. When I established that, I went with KeithMcKeever.co because .com was unavailable. It was an attorney up in Canada, <laughs> which sucked. Then I started getting emails about like it's available. You could get it for six hundred bucks, and then I kept looking on websites, and it wasn't the website was down, wasn't really listed on websites. And some time went by, and I went to my domain provider and I typed it in, and sure enough, it was available, and I got it for twenty. Oh, there you go. And now I own it. I own both of them and pointed the one towards the other. Another good, you know, I was like, all right, I've already established a little bit of my brand, so I'm not going to, you know, roll it over, but I'm going to point that domain towards the other one. You know, it's, so yeah, I've, I've seen some of those things, but I've seen some of those, oh, buy this, buy this for X amount of dollars. It's like, it just, just be cautious. Yeah. It may be worth it to you. If it's like a hot domain and this thing has been off the market for 20 years and you have an opportunity for 600 bucks, take it. It might be worth it. It might be worth his weight, but you know, I was getting those spam things, you know, for, for my particular case. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want it that bad. Yeah. You know? Well, it used to be like you know, a practice in SEO used to be to have a keyword rich domain, but it's, it's not the case anymore either. You know, like Keith McKeever, real estate com is, is bulky. It's not, Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's more important to, to have the brand, I think, than to have the keyword because the keyword becomes very vague. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And man, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But Justin, I appreciate the, the, the knowledge drop because that's, that's a lot to unpack for people who are better <laughs> entrepreneurs or interested in it or they're running a business right now. There's a lot of things that could point people on the right path and just kind of get them started. Little things that they could actually take action on, which I, I love it. I appreciate it. I really, really do. Cause that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to give my listeners something that they can go do to start improving some things. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to be here, man. I, I, uh, I love to talk this. I could talk this forever. I probably talk too much about a lot of things here, but <laughs> yeah, know, hey, pa passion shows through, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, once again, everybody, I've got 
his website, scrolling across the bottom, uh, heightdigital.com backslash Millbrook. It's in show notes for anybody who wants to listen to it in case you're not watching it. So go like, follow. I'm assuming you probably have a few social channels as well. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Good assumption, right? Yeah. So go like, follow. If you know if you need some services, reach out to Justin. Uh, he's easy to get a hold of. So yeah, I would say this too, man. Like anybody that's listening, any of your listeners that that want a quick audit on their website with zero expectation, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'll do probably like a quick video audit, like a five minute video audit, just looking at the website, giving giving pointers and and some action items. And uh, like I said, zero expectation. Yeah, it's worth its weight in gold. And then if you need an expert, you know one. <laughs> <laughs> So once again, Justin, I appreciate it. Until, until I see you next time and the Warrior Council or Tribe or wherever we wherever we see, um, you take it easy. Thank you very much, Keith. Yeah. You too. All right, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got a lot of good information, some things you might be able to take back to your own business or business you're planning. Remember, my website's battlebuddypodcast.net. I'm always trying to add resources and information there. But like I always say, if there's not something there that you think should be for a resource, let me know so we can try and get that built in. It's all about providing value. And if you are struggling for any reason, please remember the National Suicide Hotline number is now 988-PRESS-1, or you can text 838-255.